Well, we'll have to think about how long we've been doing Vacation Bible School. I think I did my first one, Doug, in 1978. So five more and I'll have 50 in. So that'll be great. I love Vacation Bible School. I went to Vacation Bible School as a kid. I had the mumps one year and didn't get to go. Cried at the front door. We used to have a parade. Some of you remember when churches did vacation Bible school parades, and I cried at the front door because I couldn't go. I loved going. And then when I was a youth, I helped in vacation Bible school and did what some of our youth are going to be doing, and I appreciate your willingness to help so much. And we're just praying that the lives of children would be impacted this week. That's what we're about, telling people about Jesus, telling those kids, and look, it's going to spill over and go home with some of them this week. And uh, some of the greatest joys in my life have been going home, going to some of the kids' home after vacation Bible school when they've made decisions to talk to the kids about being baptized and seeing Daddy come to faith in Christ after that. So just pray this week. That's what we need you to do is pray. Well, last week we uh, started talking about last things under the topic of eschatology and the reason we use that big word is because the greek word for last is eschatos and uh, so eschatology like biology or any other ology is the study of last things and last week we talked about death and why people die and we know that people don't die because they're sick they don't die because of accidents they don't die because they're old we all die because of sin that's what the bible teaches us and the bible tells us that it is appointed to man once to die and after that well, it's the after that that we're going to talk about today. This week, you may have heard in the news or read in the news about Arnold Schwarzenegger's opinion, uh, who, who said, if anybody tells you there's an after that, if anybody tells you there's a heaven, uh, he's a liar. Well, that's why it's important that we don't look to the opinions of men about the life beyond. Instead, we look to the Bible. And so this morning, we want to look at a passage of Scripture that we looked at last week we want to look at it again use it as our launching point at least Luke chapter 16 beginning in verse 19 as Jesus gives us a picture of the life beyond and he tells a story about two men he says now there was a rich man who habitually dressed in purple and fine linen joyously living in splendor every day and a poor man named Lazarus was laid at his gate covered with sores and longing to be fed with the crumbs which were falling from the rich man's table. Besides, even the dogs were coming and licking his sores. Now the poor man died and was carried away by the angels to Abraham's bosom. And the rich man also died and was buried in Hades. He lifted up his eyes being in torment, and saw Abraham far away and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried out and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus so that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool off my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Child, remember that during your lifetime you received your good things and likewise Lazarus' bad things. And now he is being comforted here, and you are in agony. And besides all this, 
Between us and you there is a great chasm fixed, so that those who wish to come over from here to you will not be able, and that none may cross over from there to us. Now, tonight, to this morning, we're going to look at the life beyond, the life beyond. And in this passage, we see how Lazarus was seated at a place of honor alongside Abraham, seated at a table in a place of honor. Uh, the rich man who had always been honored was now not honored. He was suffering, uh, but Lazarus is in a place of comfort. So we come to our first point in the message this morning, and that is we assume from this passage of Scripture and others that there are contrasting realities in the life beyond. The rich man is pictured and uh, is pictured as conscious and aware of his suffering, and he he speaks with Abraham where Lazarus is. Abraham is conscious, and he speaks of Lazarus and his present comfort, something he never experienced in life. So not only are there contrasting realities in the life beyond, in these contrasting realities, those there are alive and conscious of their condition. In the case of the rich man and Lazarus, the contrast concerned not only where they were, but the conditions where they were, one described as being in a place of torment and the other being in a place of comfort. One of the things that might be important to understand is that last week we talked about what happens to when, when we die. Well, this morning we're talking about after that, and so we see number two, that the soul continues on in death in a conscious existence. When someone dies... The Bible pictures that in Ecclesiastes 12.7 as the soul leaving the body when someone dies. We not only base that on the story of the rich man and Lazarus, there are other stories that make that clear. Uh, Jesus, when he died on the cross, uh, there were two thieves beside him on the cross. One of those thieves reached out to him in desperate faith, and Jesus said to that thief, he said, "'Today you will be with me in paradise.'" Now understand the time frame. It was the sun was still up, the sun was still shining, uh, and and in in the Jewish time frame, the day ended. That day today would end when the sun went down. And so Jesus was telling the thief on the cross, "Today, before the sun goes down, you will be with me in paradise." To the other thief, he said nothing at all like that. So we assume that one thief went to be with Jesus, the other thief went somewhere quite different. Now there's another interesting story in Luke chapter 20, verses 47 through 38. Jesus was speaking with a group of Sadducees. The Sadducees were the Arnold Schwarzeneggers of the New Testament. They were uh, more political than spiritual. Uh, they seem very spiritual when you read about them in the Bible, but the Sadducees believed nothing. They were Jews in, in tradition only. They did not believe in heaven. They did not believe in the resurrection of the dead. And so they would have said, anybody who tells you that there's a heaven or a resurrection is a liar. And so in a conversation with them, Jesus said to them, he said, but that the dead are raised, even Moses showed in the passage about the burning bush where he calls the Lord the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. 
Now remember, Abraham and Isaac, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are dead at the time of Moses. When Moses said this, when God said that to Moses, when he said, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob were dead then. When Jesus is talking to the Sadducees hundreds of years later, maybe thousands of years, I don't know the number of years, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are still dead. And yet Jesus says here, now he is not the God of the dead, but of the living. He's saying what God said. I'm not saying I am the God of a dead Abraham, the God of a dead Isaac, and the God of a dead Jacob. I am presently the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's not the God of the dead. He is the God of the living for all live to him. Jesus could tell a story about Abraham sitting at a table with Lazarus because Abraham was alive and conscious in eternity in a place of comfort, while there are others who are also alive and conscious and not so comforted. All live to God so that we can say, number three, the dead continue living in the life beyond, each in a predetermined contrasting reality. Now, I want to emphasize again that these contrasting realities are conscious realities. Some people believe and teach in soul sleep. Now, let's just picture something. Let's say your granddaddy died in 19, my granddaddy died in 1987. I'll use my granddaddy as an illustration. He died in 1987. What happens to my granddaddy between 1987 and the day of his death and the day that Jesus said, I will raise him up in the last day. We assume there's a period of time between 1987 and then. We assume there's also a period of time for Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and the time of their death and the last day when Jesus said, I will raise him up. What happens between now and then? That's the time period we're talking about, the life beyond until the last day. That's what we're talking about. Does the soul sleep? In other words, some people believe that what happens to you when you die is that you just, you just go to sleep. And there's no passage of time, just like uh, when you went to sleep last night and you woke up and said, oh my goodness, it's time to get up. You didn't even realize any time had passed. They say that's what, it, what it's like. But that is a misunderstanding of what the Bible says when it uses sleep as a reference to death. An illustration comes from the other Lazarus in the Bible, who was the brother of Mary and Martha, who got sick and died. When he died, Jesus said this in John 11 and 11. He said, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go that I may waken him out of sleep. And then in verse 13, now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought he was talking of literal sleep. He was not talking about sleep. He was referring to death. Also in... Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, uh, Paul uses the term several times to refer to death. In looking toward the last of the last things, he ponders what will happen to people between now and then. And he says, he observes, he says, we shall not all sleep. And in 1 Corinthians 15, he's dealing with the resurrection of the dead that Jesus said, I will raise him up on the last day. Now, to give you that picture, 
from Scripture, look at John chapter 6, verse 40. Last week we looked at several of these verses from John 6, and every one of them says the same thing. Jesus said, For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who beholds the Son and believes in Him will have eternal life, and I myself will raise Him up on the last day. Now, if the dead are not yet raised, my granddaddy died in 1987. He's not yet raised. The dead will be raised on the last day. What of their life right now? Are they alive right now? Or are they asleep right now? Well, Paul says he speaks of death as sleep. And he's talking about death as sleep because there's no fear for the believer when we die. Here's a good passage of scripture to look at to give you that picture. So what I'm saying to you and what Jesus is saying, let's just not talk about my granddad anymore. Let's talk about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Jesus said, they're not dead, they're living. God is not the God of the dead. He is the God of the living. All live to him, but they are not yet raised. They will be raised on the last day. And what about believers? What about your family members who have died believing in Jesus? They are not yet raised. What about, th what about their life right now? Where are they right now? What is life like for them right now? They will be raised on the last day. Now let's look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 18. This is a wonderful passage of Scripture. Let me walk you through it. Paul says, But we do not want you to be uninformed, brethren, about those who are asleep. He's talking about those who've died. So that you don't grieve like Arnold Schwarzenegger who has no hope. Now he didn't use Arnold Schwarzenegger's name, but I use it because that's all Arnold Schwarzenegger was saying. I, I, first, when I read Arnold Schwarzenegger's comments, I was offended. And then I realized poor Arnold has no hope. And his friend little Danny DeVito needs to climb up a sycamore tree and look for Jesus because he doesn't have any hope either. And the other guy they mentioned, Howard Stern, he doesn't have any hope either. They don't have any hope. We don't have to be uninformed, or the good King James word is ignorant. Paul said, I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, like those who don't have any hope. This is what he says. Look at the next verse, verse 14. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. In other words, the people who died, when Jesus comes, they're coming with Jesus. You want me to explain that to you? We'll look at some more scripture in just a minute. He says, For this we say to you, by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive will not rem and remain until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who fall fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Jesus said, I, Look, don't ask me about your timeline about the end events, I just give you Jesus' timeline. Jesus said, I will raise him up on the last day. Here Paul says, the dead in Christ will rise first. Then 
we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Those who sleep in Jesus are with Jesus when he returns. They come with him, clearly not asleep. The sleep is referenced at the fact, the fact that they've died, but they come with him. The dead will rise, which is a reference to the body of the believer which the Lord will raise at that time. The body is dead, but the soul returns with Jesus. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 6 through 8. Now he uses death, he uses sleep as a reference to death because for the believer, when Jesus died, Jesus took the sting of death. And we don't fear death. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 6. Therefore, always being of good courage and knowing that while we are at Home in the body. This body's my home. It's interesting, it doesn't say this is you, it just says it's my home. I'm going to lose it one day. And you're going to lose yours. And death is when the soul leaves the body. He says, knowing that while we're at home in the body, we're absent from the Lord. Absent in, in terms of being with Him in heaven. But He said we... Walk by faith, not by sight, and prefer rather to be absent from the body and to be at home with the Lord. If that's not clear enough, when writing to the Philippians, he said in, in Philippians 1, 22 to 24, he said, if I am to live only in the flesh, this will mean fruitful labor for me. I don't know which to choose. I'm hard-pressed from both directions, having the desire to depart and be with Christ. That is much better. That's Paul looking for what happens when the soul leaves the body. I'm at home with the Lord. I'm with Christ. He's taking care of me. When he comes, I'm coming back with him, and he's going to raise my body from the ground then. That's the picture. Now, the fact that souls are conscious, awaiting the time of the end, however long that period is, is, pictured, is a wonderful picture in the book of Revelation. Now, you might, in your whole view of the book of Revelation, and that's fine, put this wherever you want to put it, but it occurs prior to the resurrection of the body of these souls. It just does. These souls that we're going to look at, they've been martyred. In other words, they died for their faith like a sacrifice, and they're pictured as a sacrifice. When you sacrifice an offering, the blood of the sacrifice pours over the altar, and flows down at the base of the altar. The souls are pictured at the base of the altar in heaven. Let me read it to you. Revelation chapter 6. When the Lamb broke the fifth seal, I saw underneath the altar, this is verse 9, the souls of those who had been slain because of the word of God and because of the testimony they had maintained. And were they asleep? No. It says, they cried with a loud voice saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, will you refrain from judging and avenging our blood on those who dwell on the earth? And there was given to each of them a white robe, and they were told that they should rest for a little while longer until the number of their fellow servants and their brethren who were to be killed even as they would, would be completed also. So, two things we're going to say quickly here. Number one, for the believer, the life beyond, the life in between the time you die, and the last day is a life of conscious existence with the Lord. But for the unbeliever, 
The life beyond is a living, conscious existence separated from the Lord. Now, how do we know that? Well, we know that because Paul wrote in 2 Thessalonians about when Jesus comes. This is just what he said when Jesus comes. He said when Jesus comes, the Lord Jesus will deal out. This is 1 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians 1.9. The Lord Jesus will deal out retribution to those who do not know God and to those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. These will pay the penalty of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and the glory of his power. The rich man was separated from Abraham and he was also separated from God. He was informed that there would be no end to his torment, no answer to his prayer, and no escape from his penalty. In verse 26 of chapter 16, he said, And besides this, between us and you there is a great chasm fixed so that those who wish to come over from here to you even if we wanted to, we can't. And none may cross from there to us. And let that be a reminder that there's no crossing from one place to the other. There's no escape. There's no help from heaven for people in hell. And there's no hope in hell at all. The dead, in whatever reality they find themselves in, are very much alive. So, in Hebrews 9.27, I've quoted a piece of this verse to you time and time again. It says simply this. It is appointed unto men once to die and after that. It's the after that that we've been talking about. After that, there's judgment. Well, there's some kind of interim judgment. It's an interim judgment. In other words, the final judgment's yet to come. This is an interim judgment. A judgment that puts you either with the Lord or separated from the Lord. And there's interim, like the rich man, he is where he is until the last day. In verse Ecclesiastes 12, 7, the dust will return to the earth as it was, and the spirit will return to God who gave it. Now, will the unbelieving dead ever have another chance? Because, of course, there's some who think, well, you know what they're in is a place called purgatory right now. They're in a temporary place of punishment, and, and we can get them out. That's not what Jesus said. In the story Jesus tells, there is no out. There is no way out. No getting out. No way of changing the circumstances. However remorseful we here may be. Now, some people say uh, there are a couple of groups that believe in annihilation. In other words, you know, God's too loving to send anybody to torment for all eternity. So what he does is he, you've seen these bug lights? God's got a bug light. And so if you're a bad person, you just simply fly into his bug light and that's it and it's over. Well, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible doesn't say that destruction is instant, instantaneous, and then it's all over. Let me read you uh, this passage of Scripture from Revelation chapter 21, verse 10, and uh, pay very special attention to it because it says what will happen to the devil, but what happens to the devil also happens to those who follow the devil and those who are children of the devil, those who do not obey the gospel and do not follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Revelation 21:10, and the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and brimstone 
where the beast and the false prophet also are, and they will be tormented just like that. It'll be over. Just like a bug light, it's gone. No, it doesn't say that, does it? The scripture says they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Day and night forever and ever. And then in the last, uh, next verse, verse 15 of Revelation 21, 15. Chapter 21, verse 15. If anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire where they are tormented day and night forever and ever. So where are the dead who die with the Lord? They are die in the Lord. They are with the Lord, and when the Lord returns, they'll return with him. They return to share his glory. They return to receive the resurrection body. They presently enjoy his glory in this interim, but they, there, are, there is more to come. There is greater joy and a greater glory. So if God is aware of these contrasting realities, let's ask the question again, how could he ever allow anybody to endure such suffering? Well, let me say this. That's the whole reason we have church. That's the whole reason I preach. That's the reason we have Bible school. That's the reason we have a Bible. That's the reason Jesus came and died on the cross because the Bible tells us that God is not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance. God doesn't want anybody to enter any kind of suffering. God does not want that. God does not desire that. God has done everything he can all throughout history, by the way. God sent Jonah to preach to the people of Nineveh because he didn't want them to perish. He didn't even want the sailors on the boat that Jonah was on that was about to sink to perish. He cared about them that they not perish. But there's an interesting passage of Scripture in 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 18 through 20. But before I read that Scripture, let me remind you that God even cared about the people in Noah's day. When Noah built the ark and God warned that the earth was going to be destroyed, he had Noah preaching all the time. What did it take? Noah about 120 years to build the ark. And all that time Noah was preaching every day. Noah was preaching and hammering away, building the ark, saying, Repent, a flood is coming. And nobody seemed to listen. Well, it wasn't just Noah that was preaching. Listen to what Peter said. Verse, 9, verse 18 of 1 Peter chapter 3. For Christ also died for sins once for all, the just for the unjust, so that he might bring us to God, having been put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit, in which, in that same Spirit, he went and made proclamation to the spirits now in prison. They weren't in prison then. They are in prison now. Jesus didn't go after his death. Jesus was there during the time of Noah when the patience of God kept waiting. And the spirit of Jesus was preaching then. Those spirits are in prison now. Only eight souls were saved then. More could have been saved. The ark was plenty big. But they didn't respond. Jesus preached to them then because he didn't want them to go there then and he doesn't want anybody to go there now. So I have one little chart up on the screen that talks about the believing dead. They're conscious 
and aware. They're absent from the body. They're present from the Lord, present with the Lord. They're in, a, in paradise, a place of comfort. And they're awaiting the end and greater glory. The unbelieving dead are conscious and aware. They're separated from the Lord. They're in a place of torment, pictured in the Bible, in a prison from which there's no escape, awaiting the end and more suffering. It is appointed unto man once to die. And after that, well, there's judgment pretty, pretty quick. And then after that, you're in whatever reality you're going to be in until the final conclusion of all things, when it either gets much, much better or much, much worse. Let's pray.